Hello all and welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. Uh, I am Austin. I'm a knockout. I've watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. I haven't watched a lot of wrestling, but you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm really working on catching up. I am a wrestling watching machine. Hey, there we go. Hey, yep. There we go. Because today we return to the temple, the greatest of wrestling uh, venues and shows. Lucha oh, Underground. Heights, California. And the episode this week is titled, is episode 12, titled, They Call Him Cage. Ah, uh, <clears throat> our favorite type of machine. Indeed, a cage. A cage. <laughs> yes. This, d- despite all, all of his rage, he's still just a man they call cage. <laughs> no, stop it. Throwing that out there now because I like thought of it in the shower as a title for the episode, and then I realized it's probably too long for YouTube. And you I know, one of like, these days we gotta like we, we gotta <laughs> hit, like, the title. It's like the postmodern thing to do, you know. <laughs> yes. What is on the docket today? Uh, obviously, this is a cage-centered episode. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about uh, Cage, the man, the person that they, that they, whoever they is, calls Cage. Because he is, in fact, not a man. He is a machine. He is a machine. Indeed. Then please refer yourself to our last, to the last time we did Lucha Underground, which was episode 14, the which titled, you know, A Cage is Not a Machine. <clears throat> man, we're really leaning into this whole cage thing. I mean, the, the show is leaning into it. What do you want me to do? I gotta say, I am... For I am a little bit trepidatious about this because when we watched last time, Cage didn't impress me all that much. I was like, you know, he did his promo and he just wasn't like that intriguing mm-hmm. character to me. Like he, he looks like he looks like a big, strong dude, good wrestler, and all that. But like overall, mm-hmm. it seems like a little bit boring. And I, I, so I'm a little, I'm a little bit trepidatious about them leaning so hard into, uh, into the Cage against the Machine, as it were. Future spoilers for Lucha Underground. He gets, I think he gets a lot better as a character when he stops having to talk and he has a lot more um, bo- uh, bo- um, um, boisterous characters to play off of so he doesn't really have to be. Okay, that's fair. Like, I think his best in Lucha Underground is when he is a straight man uh, uh, that is relatively stoic against someone who is a lot more outlandish and cartoony by comparison. Yeah, he feels he just from the little bit we've seen of him, he feels like a like a lucha underground version of like Diesel, but like mm-hmm. even less kind of like to to offer just off just at first glance. Yeah, and Prince Puma isn't necessarily the best person to play off of him because while Puma is very expressive and talented, he also doesn't talk. So the only person <laughs> in this storyline who talks is Brian Cage. Oh no. Which is not ideal. No, no, I don't... <sighs> Shit. Okay, okay. But we are going... We are cu- quickly hitting ahead, at least. This, is, this isn't a very long storyline. It's very much a bit of a, a quick intro and kind of an almost a filler gap story in a way. I, for Prince Puma, while we're still kind of setting up other players to be like a truly great rival for him because this episode features Luke Cage fighting Puma for the Lucha Underground Championship. So we're already there. Jesus. Okay. That was, that was fast. 
we're moving fast on this one. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, that, that's kind of the only major thing I can talk about in this pre-show bit. Because I listen, like I re a bit of a bit of a uh, behind the scenes pull the curtain back here. What I do for this is that like I do read the results of these episodes beforehand, so I at least have an understanding of what's going to happen and what and I know what it has and hasn't been really like built to. And so this is the one major thing on this show that was really like established from a prior episode explicitly um and like it's the only thing that's in the the preview like the you know the episode pre-description is the only thing they talk about so we're gonna talk so this is the major thing to talk about um so are we getting like uh like a bunch of like little news storylines tonight or um i suppose it's it's still continuations of stuff we've done before but it's not like this it's not really like a thing they this match in particular wasn't pre-established on okay. other episodes built from other episodes you know um so i, I guess we should kind of i think I, at least we could mention like the stuff if you haven't watched our last few episodes on lucha underground the stuff that at least is happening happened last time and is and may or may not be relevant today is you got you know um is the is the uh, uh, King Cuerno Drago thing came to a head? Yep. And Drago won that. Or, no, no, he didn't. Yeah, I was gonna say, wait, what? I was like, I thought, I thought because Cuerno didn't like leave him in a, didn't like carry him out in a in a bag, <laughs> like he caught a prey. And like in my head, I was like, oh, so Drago won, right? But no, he didn't. He got choked out. Yep. <laughs> He got tied to the freaking. He got he got he got tied to the to the to the uh, turn like in the corner of the ring and then choked out until he lost. Yeah, dude, wild shit. Brilliant, brilliant plan by our expert big game hunter. And then that which was all which was pretty good. I was going to be in kind of quick and blasé about it almost, but it was real. It was a really good. It was a really good two episode little bit. I mean, you can you can hear us talk about it in our in our in our last episode. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, match and a great kind of narrative focus. Yeah, just don't really want to go over it all again. Yeah, yeah, of course, no, no, and no. Then, no. And then I and then I guess the other bit, the big the the uh, the other biggest thing to talk about is is um you know a man got his eye burned out. I feel like I should bring oh, that up. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, like poor 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 big Rick who was betrayed by his crew and they took his cigar and burned his eye out. Can't wait for that eye patch, big Rick to, uh, to, 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 to show up. And yes. Be, I... like, be all like, I'm even scarier now. Cause I got an eye patch. I know. I I've known that big Rick's eye patch is sometime in this season. I didn't realize it was this quick. You know, I'm surprised, like, none of these wrestling shows from from what I've heard have had, like, any prominent characters that are themed after pirates. <laughs> I can, in fact, confirm of you two examples of where there are. Oh. One, of them, one of them is good, one of them isn't. Oh, no. I'm assuming Big Rick isn't one of them, though. No, not Big Aww, Rick. Had, I want uh, Pirate Big Rick. You have Pirate Paul Burchill in the WWE <laughs> in the late 2000s. Uh, he was, he was, uh, it was, he was very much a Vince McMahon saw Pirates of the Caribbean for the first time. <laughs> <kind of> character. <laughs> oh, no. 
mean, he's not fondly remembered, but who is fondly remembered? <laughs> Pirate Paul Burchill is fun in a dumb way, but he's not that like good. <laughs> okay. But then you also have Kyrie Sane, in who former WWE wrestler. Um, if she retired like last year, um, and she is technically she's a yachting enthusiast, and that is why her. But at the same time, she shows up with like a traditional all white pirate gear. She calls herself the Pirate Princess, and when she won a cha- the NXT Women's Championship, she came out with a, ch- a chest full of treasure, and the belt was sitting in the chest. Honestly, I can get on board with that. That seems that seems legit, like like a, like a modern pirate sort of thing, where like you know, it's not like our yo ho ho, but like you know, doing crime out on the seven seas because you can. Yeah, she. Yeah, she was, she was like, technically it's because she was a yachter. <laughs> one who races yachts or something. Okay. In real life. But then but there's like, you know what's really boring? That, that, that's kind of boring. You know what would be more fun if I leaned into being a pirate? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I, I just looked up pictures of Paul Burchill, by the way, and holy shit, he is just like meant to be a Jack Sparrow ripoff. Yeah. No. No eye patch. Uh, which, which, come to think of it, I, I will also be like now. I, I'll also be interested to see like, you know, how Big Rick does fighting with an eye patch on because that's got to fuck with depth perception a little bit. And you, and if you have uh, people like um, like Sinkara who struggled to uh, to find his footing, as it were, because of his impaired <laughs> visuals from his costume, I have to wonder how that'll be for 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 good old Ricky when yeah. Yeah, honestly, like something that is more, way more common in wrestling history is people having to wrestle with a store with an eye patch, <laughs> because they come up with storyline reasons for people to have eye injuries, and that that it weirds me out that like people are like that like they're able to manage with that even though they like only have half of their vision. <laughs> That sounds like a fucky thing to do to people. And then you also consider wrestlers who are, like, legally blind. And I'm like, okay. Uh, oh? There's a few of those in history who are legally blind. Honestly, good for them. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, good for them. They, they do a really good job of, like, working around that. But anyway, we have gone far off the topic. Yeah, sorry. I, 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 I completely derailed this. I mean, I was the one who derailed it by deciding to, like, make sure to understand that, no, there are wrestling pirates. <laughs> but anyway, that is about what we want need to cover here for this first, for the first front part of this episode. So, see you guys in the back half. Yes, and all we right. are back. We have just finished <sighs> Season 1, Episode 12 of Luch Underground. They call him Cage. Damn. Oh, that, I mean... Luta Underground continues to be awesome. What a shock. We'll let you know when, like, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, no, but, like, god damn, watching this show just, like, it makes me so happy. Like, this is the one, this is, like, it. how bought in I am to wrestling stuff kind of goes in tears. Um, This is, like, the top tier of, like, me buying into wrestling. Like, I am... I I don't like get into the same like you know 
criticize everything mode that I do with a lot of like the WWF and WWE that we watch. Like from the get go, I'm just sucked in every time. This was no exception. This is, this episode didn't even like didn't even like fly to the same heights as something like Aztec Warfare did, but it was still just like goddamn yes, more of this always, please. Yeah, Holy I was, shit. I was I was unsure going in, having seen the list of matches beforehand. I was I wasn't totally sure how well how good this episode was going to be, but I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no. It's I mean I mean it's just it's just a ton of fun to to watch this stuff. Um they're so good at presenting this show in a way that that I don't even know. There there's there's just this 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 quality to it. Um where they they find a way to to make it so um, so engaging in its pace and in the um, in the way it presents its story. This is it, it's again. It's so funny because I, I, I'm sure I've said something like this before. But this is you know in terms of like the 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 look, the aesthetic. This is the most artificial looking out of any of the wrestling things we've covered thus far. Like you know, for it trying to be like this gritty underground fight club, you can you can really tell it's, that it's very highly stylized for your, for yeah. your gritty underground. You fight can club. tell this ultimately like a TV set, and the 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 promos and video packages have this like soap opera equality to it. Um, and hell, even the story beats um, are a bit more like predictable than they are in other places. Uh, they have a lot clearer kind of like setups to things. But in doing so, I never feel like that's that's to the show's detriment. And a lot of the times I feel like that's the show's benefit. And I can't quite say why, other than uh, other than kind of something I observed to Austin while we were watching, that the that the simplicity with which it it it, it presents everything going on around it, um, and the kind of like um fakeness of everything else kind of removing the fictional story a little bit uh from the fighting that's taking place it centers the show really really well on the fighting which is something ironically we don't get as much with a whole lot of other wrestling media yeah like wrestling media doesn't always uh make the fighting at i i i don't want to i don't want to just make this a a wwe kind of comment but it is a, a thing that they like it's a problem of the fact that they have been an industry leader for 30, for almost 40 years. And for a significant portion of the time, they were pretty much the only major company. So like anything they, anything that you can apply to the industry probably applies to them. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I, and yeah, I will say like saying that a lot of that is like WWE is the main culprit. They're kind of like the worst at being consistent with like, mm-hmm how well they they frame the fighting as the you know the central thing in your in your fighting company Um, yeah like and that's that's something i complain about constantly is it like i don't i don't dislike these like insane crazy storyline beats like i literally i like lucha underground which does a lot of insane storyline beats but at the end of the day i feel like it's a a wrestling show should be about the fights at the end of at the end of it all and i think and i think that lucha underground does a very good job of 
of it, it ultimately being about a wrestling match. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I almost think the setup of like this underground fight club is helps so much with that because they focus so much on the business of the fighting and on the, it's not like all this weird, like interpersonal drama bullshit. Like that's there. Um, <laughs> But like it's all not, of it is like all of some it. Pe- like sometimes people are just here because they want to get paid to fight. Yeah, <laughs> they're, 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 not everything requires like this deep interpersonal reason to hate this other guy. The the drama springs from the fighting rather than the other way around. A lot of the mm-hmm. time in Lucha Underground, I feel like um, because because like in you know in WWE you have like just all this weird bullshit with like with like you know interpersonal drama and and who vince mcmahon is trying to screw this week um and you know all this other stuff whereas lucha underground um you know they're there to do the fights as 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 scheduled by dario and and again that's another brilliance of dario as the puppet master Mm -hmm. and and dario has his evil screw job machinations it's literally kind of the point of of why Cage is so quickly getting a title match is because he's really desperate for Penig for uh, Prince Puma and by extension Conan to not have the championship anymore. But sometimes Dario just makes matches because he runs a Fight Club and you need matches. <laughs> yeah, no, that's and but but again, there there's this weird difference. There's this there's this very distinct difference between how Dario is framed as a character versus how Vince is framed as a character. Um, I, I, again, I almost think like the simplicity of it all is, is what helps so much. Like the kind of like, um, very blatant storytelling going on of Dario. They present, they do a really good job at presenting Dario as like explicitly like super sleazy. Like, like he has such a clear character and like Vince does too, but, but Dario is a presence that's felt, um, everything that happens here is feels like feels like you know it comes from the hand of dario and they do a good job at implementing him throughout each episode to kind of point to all the little things he has going on in the background and again that's what that that's what helps centers it on the business on the fighting and allowing the the drama to spring from that um Mm -hmm. whereas whereas with vince it's like it, it doesn't do it doesn't do that as much um it doesn't do that as much and um instead instead it's like vince is just kind of this asshole and some of the drama is people reacting to that yeah like Um, yeah and like yeah I i feel like one of the worst aspects of vince mcmahon's character and to be clear vince mcmahon's character is really really good he's he's the sec i would argue he is the second best heel owner character in existence in that the number one is Dario. But and there's a lot I like about Vince. But one thing I don't like is like he has such an abject like hatred of the thing he's doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he kind of seems to hate his own like not to say his job, but like he kind of doesn't even like he doesn't his character doesn't really show any like. For the abs, for the abject insanity that wrestling is by nature, by almost by nature. Yeah, he doesn't really care for the fans of it either, the people that pay him money. I know he's so he's so disconnected from it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, which again, it 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 makes it it makes it so that 
that that leaves us with the only way we can get drama, you know, springing from the business side of the company is when, um, he, he, for the most part, when it's just people like being angry at him for some reason. And again, and sometimes that works. We've seen that work in a really good way of centering the fighting with Summer of Punk. Um, the whole CM Punk story is about the business of the of the of of the show, and that does a really good job at centering the uh, centering it centering the the drama back on the fighting. But it's still and, and not Steve nearly Austin, as consistent as yeah. Lucha. And Steve Austin being the working class hero, the beer the beer swelling beer beer swilling redneck who fighting against vince mcmahon is literally the thing that that saved that that helped the wwe avoid bankruptcy in the late 90s so there yeah. is absolutely times when vince mcmahon's kind of aura works really really well in storyline i think this on this podcast we've managed to hit kind of two of the biggest moments where it works mm-hmm. but it also does there's also plenty of times in history where it kind of doesn't work as well yeah. I, it's absolutely not as consistent as I think Dario's ability to be a really strong character within the story, within a story. It's, it's, um, and, and again, it's so, um, it's, it's, it's so cool to see just the ways in which he's involved because that makes it feel so grounded in mm-hmm. like what we're here to focus on. Um, and I think that's part of, on top of the brilliant, oh my god, the amazing athleticism of the fighters that we watch on this show on a regular basis. Um, I think it, uh, like, like that, that is one of the things that keeps it really engaging. But I also think it keeps it really engaging um, just by the stakes of the match being made so clear. There's not some weird, convoluted, esoteric whatever here because all these people to fight, and he's throwing some like random crap and we gotta we're, we're the the outcome of the match is the outcome of the match yeah I'm, lo- I'm losing and you entirely David here to see law like um the, the very much more tangible Oh no! Oh no! No 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 no! No no! Ah ah ah! We back? You're moving again. We're, we are we are we are back, but I missed the entirety of that monologue. You just, that entire analysis you just gave about Dario Cueto. Oh no! Oh no! Okay, all this to say, uh, I'll I'll try to shorten it this time. <laughs> all this to say, um, it, it it gives it gives the fight again on top of the amazing athleticism um i because because i sit here wondering when i watch these fights why am i so engaged in this like why am i so bought in um where where i'm not with things like AEW and things like um um uh ww well i i mostly am with like AEW, but even then this sucks me in even more than AEW. um and i and i wonder why and part of it is just like we we, we have this amazing athleticism to watch but it, it also to create the Again, the how grounded it is on on the on Dario and the fighting and the business of it all um, gives each match these very kind of much more tangible, accessible stakes. Now, sure, mm-hmm. WWE gives clear stakes to a, to a lot of its like important story matches, 
but you don't always like feel for them in the same way that that the simplicity of you know if someone loses in lucha underground that could mean just big trouble for them because who knows what random shit dario will send after them and who knows how that could affect their careers and who knows that how that could affect their honor it's so much more tangible so much more accessible um and i think that too is what is what uh, uh kind of stakes me in it so much um mm-hmm. is is just oh my god i i feel something for each out with each potential outcome because they're so good at centering this yeah, and I think also the fact that it's an hour a week allows it to be a lot tight, very tightly. Packed. Yes, it's so tight. Yes, uh, I think that the I, I think honest, I think two hours is arguably like if you have the the resources for it in terms of manpower and money is the unideal amount of wrestle amount of hour uh, length of wrestling show. But uh, a really tightly packed one hour wrestling show is also amazing. Is amazing. I yeah, the 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 and we've talked before about how good the tightness of the show is. Um, but but yeah, it really does help. And again, all three ma- it, it it makes it easy to focus on things. All three matches, um, I you know I I can remember pretty distinctly. Um, you know I know I know the outcomes, and you know I can I can see you know pretty direct lines from you know the last time we saw each character to where we are now um just because there's not all this extra filler to get muddled and again that makes it so much easier to sit back and appreciate the fighting mm-hmm. for for the fighting's sake and oh yeah. god i love it right so let want to want to talk about uh wh- which match would you like to talk about first then Let's just let's just go and let's go into sending order. Okay. Um, for first, first we start off with the kind of really cool video package with with Dario and Cage, and that's kind of where I had my little epiphany of that's, like, that's, oh my god, yeah. this is a great like. Th- this isn't like this isn't like the the you know the weird like in real time um uh uh promo cutting we get at WWE or AEW. This is like it, it it's like a backstory setter for the audience with its yeah. kind of like soap opera aesthetic. Yeah, it it ha- it does it yes, it is it is completely it is not in real time at all. And like it also plays this off like in the way that the audience and like the audience and the commentators literally don't see this when they film this show. They don't get to see any of that stuff. And I think that does a lot to create to create this idea that it is kind of this seedy backs stuff that is happening behind the scenes because it's not being in in story anyway it's not being filmed for its live audience to see a rat to see constantly mm-hmm. like yes obviously in a medicine we understand this is a scene yeah yeah well obviously but like in story nobody's supposed to see this stuff mm-hmm and, so, uh, yeah. and it gives it a much different feel and 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 if to me anyway than than any other wrestling show that films this stuff where like the audience and everyone involved explicitly acknowledges that it happens and sees it it feels like you're in the middle of a movie which i think is so much more effective than being in the middle of of a reality tv show in a mm-hmm. lot of ways mm-hmm. but yeah it's, it's a pretty basic a uh, little video package of basically, you know, Brian Cage in the gym lifting weights as you do. He's just, he's just, <laughs> he's, just curling, he's just curling this one weight. 
And Dario walks in and is like, is like, hey, I saw that you didn't want to, you didn't want to wait in line. Well, guess what, pal? You got a championship match tonight. Because again, Dario really wants Prince Puma um, to not be champion. Because fuck Conan. Yeah, he 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 he's so like. It's 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 so cool to just see him in control like that. Just the way he stands there in the back, and he's and 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 Cage just drops the the weight to the ground, and it's this this great kind of like agreement of like of like yeah, we're gonna pull some shit tonight. Mm-hmm. And so that's I, that, that's a whole thing, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, I wonder how Dario feels about um, what actually happened. We'll get to it. Both that and also, uh, I he may also have other things on his mind right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, well. Yeah, we'll talk about it at the end. We'll talk about uh, it at the end. But yes, we do come back to Dario at the end of the show. Yes. More, but which, anyway, which all the Dario. Our, our first match is uh, Phoenix and Mil Muertes, which is always fun because they're like the they're like forever rivals, and yeah. also all their matches are really good. Uh. A- I mean, I mean, I've I've come to love both of them, kind of for their for their own sakes. Um, Muertes, th- this show is so cool about like it's uh, the way it pairs up like giants with with like nimble high flyers. Uh, they don't like section off the giants as much as as like the American shows do. So so it's a juxtaposition that's just really really cool to see and feels so fresh to me every time we watch it. Um, uh, Muertes, you know, being big and stoic and because. Because he his whole thing he's just like kind of this unmovable boulder a lot of the time, um, and uh, um, Phoenix just being this he's so energetic, um, yeah, yeah he is he's ba- he's flying around off the walls and and Muertes is just like one punch bam <laughs> and then and Phoenix I is know. Like, like Phoenix has got to th- throw in everything but the kitchen sink at him to knock Muertes down, and Mills is like, whatever. <laughs> he, so, he's so unmoved. He's swatting a fly. <laughs> this is this is nothing for him. Um, but that being said, they also like you know they they also give it some like some groundedness because um um it's it's uh. He still he still is clearly affected by some of the stuff. It starts to wear him down a little bit. You know he can he's not completely unmovable. It does, and it kind of hits a story beat that I didn't. I don't think I've originally noticed, and they might not even have intentionally done it at this point. This might have been something they thought of later, but it. But like thinking on it now, it harkens back to a thing that happens to Mil Muertes more often than a lot of times, where he could win. He's in an easy position to do so. But then he decides to kind of keep going because he that's <laughs> what he wants to do. And that is his own downfall. Case in point, in this match, he spears the ever-living fuck out of, out of Ray Phoenix. The guy is down and out. We're done. He could have hit him with the flatliner and, and, and we one, two, three, we're out of here. But Muertes is like, no, no, no. Here's what I'm going to do. Is he goes, <laughs> is he, he sits phoenix up on the top rope and then mil muertes goes up to the top rope 
and they go for the superplex, which is uh, it's hard to explain a superplex to people who don't know what that is. But it's basically you it's basically you suplex a guy from the top rope. <laughs> and he does it, but then, and they explicitly call this out on commentary, like the impact of him doing that is so great, it causes a bounce that gives Phoenix enough momentum to roll himself over on top of Mil Muertes and get him with a flash pin one, two, three. <laughs> yeah, no, oh God. Um, it's, it's, it's this great reversal they do. And the thing about it that's interesting is it's so quick. It's, it's almost kind of like blink if you miss it a little bit. Oh, it is. Um, like that's one of the cool things about, about Lucha is they, they don't belabor the point a lot of the time. And it helps um, that Phoenix is a, is a goddamn master he, that he's that fast and to, be, to like quick flash or one, two, three, and like what? Yeah, he's lightning quick. And it, 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 it kind of disorients you for a second. Um, uh, but it's it, so... It, it, it disorients you in the same way that Mil Muertes is disoriented. Like he's as confused how this, end, this just ended as you are. Well, I, I think I think that's a really I, I think what's cool about that too is it's this really uh, great way to do in ring character building because it, it it builds Phoenix up as really cunning and and Muertes as kind of a victim of his own hubris. Um, these are these are tendencies to set up um, the the in fight storytelling um, uh, is is so is so exceptional um, that that. Um, it it, it 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 again another way to keep things really engaging um is to make fighting moves into character beats mm -hmm. yeah it is it is the i think that lucha underground is one of the absolute best uh forms of in of, of telling a story in the ring that i've seen in wrestling like they are absolutely exceptional at it yeah no and, and and the thing is i even mentioned to you at one point where we were watching like there was for some reason like um, Muertes' pins looked really unconvincing, but there came a point where I kind of didn't care mm -hmm. because everything else going around it was so good. Like if it looked like Muertes wasn't putting his full weight onto onto Phoenix, I was willing to suspend my disbelief of like, I get the point. Sure, if mm -hmm. he's not feeling it this week, I can I can pretend like it's there. Like mm -hmm. I'm to that point with this show. Where I can put my brain away like that because it because like it's convinced the rest of me otherwise so much that I don't mind like doing a little bit of the legwork myself every once in a while. Yeah, I would, and I would, and I would, and I would like want, and I would, and I would be willing to attribute th like that as part of an ongoing narrative of Muertes's own arrogance getting the best of him. But they, but the commentary doesn't play to that, so I'm not going to. <sighs> but yeah. you, but you could play it that way if you wanted to. That mm. that that is another example of him being so cocky about this and so confident that he will win that he manages to screw himself over. Oh, extremely. Mm -hmm. Um, it again the 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 way Muertes is built up. Um, it's interesting they were having him lose as much early on as he is. Yeah. Uh, like that 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 is something that is weird about Muertes, but also but manages to work for him anyway. Is that especially like especially in Lucha Underground? I've, like there are a lot of monsters in Lucha Underground history, and we'll see them, but none of them lose quite as much as Mil Muertes does. He's always more giving of taking a loss, and that doesn't affect him at all in terms of his ability to be seen as a credible threat. Yeah, 
well, again, part of that is just like he plays it really well. Of like mm-hmm. when he gets mad, he looks legitimately mad. And it's kind of scary. Um, um, but like like I remarked to you while we were watching, it almost like the way he gets built up, um, and the resilience he shows in ring, um, it it it, it kind of um. It, it adds this kind of sense of foreboding of when's he going to get his. Because um, you know it's coming. With a character like him, you know there's going to be some brutal wins down the line. And every time he loses just makes you like, oh shit, that's another, like, with each loss, it becomes, like, less likely that the next one's going to be a loss and more likely the next one he's just going to, like, wreck shit. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think it helps, too, that a lot of his losses um, aren't due to some, like, major flaw on his part as a wrestler like obviously like some of it here is like his getting cocky or like lack of foresight or whatever but ultimately um it's people able to like use these quick tricks against it like Mm -hmm. three people downing him at the same time or um or you know being having having his own like weight quickly reversed on him by phoenix um he's not losing because like he's he's a bad wrestler he's losing because someone's able to get the upper hand at just the right moment and kind of outfox him. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah, and those are the only two losses he's taken as well. And and you also have to consider like the caliber of who he's losing to here. He lost to essentially, you know, he lost to Phoenix here and then he lost to uh, a combination of Prince Puma, uh, Johnny Mundo and Sexy Star in Aztec Warfare mm-hmm. who are kind of three of the top good guy characters on this show. So you need to be like S A tier at least, maybe S tier, to be mm-hmm. able to, to be able to put Muertes down. And even then, only barely are you doing that. Exactly. It's never it's never a landslide win against him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what keeps him feeling credible. Um, again, on top of that kind of foreboding sense they're good at doing with him. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No. Uh, that was that 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 was. Uh, you know, I love me some Phoenix, love me some Huertes. Getting to see him teamed up be, or teamed up against each other was was uh, is exceptional, and uh, we'll never get old. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and we will definitely see more of Phoenix and uh, Huertes. There's one match in particular I'm very excited for us to get to, but that's that's for another day. Yeah. Ooh. 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 So then, um, I believe it kind of goes next into the tag match. I believe I don't think there was anything in between. Like I'm thinking um, about it, I don't think there was. Or wait, was this where they did the cage video? Oh, yeah, they did. They did the cage promo. I forget um, if they did that before or after this match. But yes, I'm they pretty do. sure that was before the tag team. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, they do one of my my favorite trope of the one of my favorite tropes in Lucha Underground is they love to do these pre-tape videos to like build up wrestlers, and they always involve these random NPC schmucks showing up to pick a fight and it's always like three on one or four on one or whatever and the wrestlers just beat their asses (laughs) it's even funnier in other videos where it's not just random joe schmo smucks it is random luchadors (laughs) just random dudes wearing masks trying to pick a street fight and get they they weren't good enough for uh for the for the fight club so they have to uh, take care of the shit on the streets yeah like but I love it. It's so it's such a cool way to make your wrestlers look like it kind of fulfills the same function as a jobber squash does in, in a regular wrestling show. Um, but without making it an actual in-ring match that you have to take time for. And this one was 
good especially um because after last week and after what I said uh, in the in the front half um you uh it, it had me like actually feeling cage as as threatening mm-hmm. and as like as a, as a character to take seriously like just all the all the stuff I, and I mean it's it's cheesy in a way you know mm-hmm. like he gets he gets hit with <laughs> increasing manner increasingly goofy manner of 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 weapon and implement to be completely unfazed by it <laughs> a crate a bottle on the back of his head you know whatever um mm-hmm. and but he's good enough at kind of selling that um and turning around and he's so big and beefy that yeah it's effective and i it got the point across i'm like oh man he's that kind of character no, yeah, again, the they some guy takes a beer a beer bottle and smashes it across his fe- back of his head. Doesn't feel it. And he you know, doesn't. Crate, yeah. crate to the back, a big crate to the back. Doesn't feel it, dude. For some reason, is like, well, one beer bottle didn't work, but maybe if I try another beer bottle, and he tries it, and this time Cage intercepts it, and then he just crushes he crushes the bottle in his bare hand. Yeah, no, um. And he's so, um, and the whole time he's incredibly nonchalant about it. He's yeah, like, Whatever. there is no, there is no change of expression on his face except for like a little more of a snarl here and there. Mm-hmm. And then he's, he's otherwise just, just throwing dudes around in this like trailer park or something. Yeah, I know. Um, Somewhere where he was throwing tires around before they showed up to pick a fight with this yeah. with this dude who looks like a who looks like he eats bodybuilders. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it's 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 just it's so much fun to watch um and and the kind of cool thing at the end i noticed too was you know at the end of it they you know they turn it into like a promo like at like mm-hmm. uh like headline event of the show uh cage versus prince puma mm-hmm. um but they give it this really like understated title card to do it and i found that hugely effective too uh because again it didn't make it feel it, even even though it's clearly cheesy clearly fake clearly whatever um it didn't make it feel like too artificial um you know it felt like uh, it it felt like something out of uh, this this really kind of stylized tv show moment of of like coming up after the commercial break yeah not even like that um it just did a really good job kind of like making it this anticipatory thing um mm-hmm. without out going too over the top with it it had just the right amount of like of of uh stylistic uh, absurdity to work absolutely and I, as i as i said when we were watching like they should have just showed this last week as opposed to doing the interview the sit down interview yeah, seriously because it gets the same point across even have him over the top of the background doing like a monologue that says the same shit that he said last week and a monologue over top of this yeah so you literally could have just done this last week and got and and gotten your point across better and it works so much better, uh, except for the fact that that he, I'm I'm already tired of the of the I am a machine motto. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's never going away. <laughs> In I, they might actually be made. I don't think they go this hard. They don't. They don't. I don't think they try this hard to squeeze it in everywhere as they do later. Because he, right now he's like a um, star. He like he's being introduced as a character, so they're like really doing this. Mm-hmm. But. And I don't think they ever go this hard ever again. But they, but like every time he shows up, they will make some reference to not a man, he's a machine. 
for Which, the rest of the show. That, that that's the like one problem with it is like that's where you're like because when he says that and when the show says that it takes that saying incredibly seriously. But you can't like like it loses its punch after the first time or two. Like imagine if every time CM Punk got on a mic. He made a he made a, a pipe bomb comment. It would stop mm-hmm. like it would stop working after like the second time, and even then it would be like, okay, mm-hmm. you already said this before. Why are you saying yeah. this again? Like, like I get it's a catchphrase, but like this is like the one kind of little creeping thing of uh, Lucha's so good about like um, about its stylism and like the the stuff that it like really leans into is stuff that like it either never takes too seriously or like you've it's kind of like earned your trust to take itself super seriously but mm-hmm. like this this just feels like edgelordy and like why are we going to repeat this a zillion times if he had said it the one time in that promo uh it would have worked and like you know repeating it a few times because it's a short enough catchphrase but like every episode every time he shows up and maybe sometimes multiple times per it's it loses its luster after a while why are we it doing does. this it does and I, and I don't think it's gonna pick itself back up again until the till the crowd itself starts getting in on this joke which like yeah when you get the crowd when it turns into a chant that's fine like that's the that's like the the like mm-hmm. daniel bryant yes thing in a way um, yeah yeah once it once it becomes once it becomes memeified it's fine again because again it loses that like super self-serious edge yeah, but until then, and I don't know, and I don't know quite when that that the, the crowd starts kind of leaning into the "I'm a machine" thing. Prob- probably around the time when this episode starts airing, like after they start taping episodes after they air this stuff, I would imagine that is the case because they don't <laughs> because the 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 unfortunate thing for the live audience aspect of it is they've never heard any of it. Unfortunately and unfortunately, they have never heard. I'm not yeah. a man. I'm a machine. This has all been done in post-production, edited together footage for the show, segments of the show. Yeah. So the audience doesn't know the catchphrase, so they can't interact with it at this point in time. I which which, which side note, it's so funny to me, like to imagine like going to a Lucha Underground taping because, like, to an extent, that shit's got to be like super short. Without any I mean, of the I mean, I, mean, I mean, they film they film like three, four episodes at a time. They do. Yeah, so you're you're getting multiple episodes when you show Jesus. How do the wrestlers not die? It's very it's it's tough, you know. But they they're they're very good at conditioning. Yeah, I guess so because but you can't tell like yeah. like like at the, start, at the start of every match, each one of them seems fresh. Yeah, it's also super. It's also super weird, from what I've heard. They also didn't even have like intro. The entrance music was all was also post production, from my understanding. Really? Yeah. So like the, for a live for the live audience, all they see is the guy coming out into the coming to the ring and hearing and hearing Melissa Santos do the announcing. Other than that, I mean, there was nothing. The audience gets hype enough though that I feel like that's not too much. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it still works, but it is definitely a weird thought that like a wrestling show in 2014. <laughs> Doesn't have live music except yeah. the, except the band that plays. Yeah. I mean, before I mean, the show. But they, but but there's also this. I mean, similarly though, like during the fights, like there's this weird like quality to the to the audience audio that's like it has a varied level. Um, mm-hmm. it's not the constant like chatter that you see at a at a like giant stadium WWE taping. It is like uh, it has quieter moments. Um, mm-hmm. but again, that kind of adds to the more rough and tumble 
feel to it. Um, you know, it's not as not as polished, not as whatever. Um, so it kind of it kind of the audience it like flows to like kind of reacting in real time with how you're reacting when you watch and uh, and I think that's incredibly effective in and of mm-hmm. itself. Yeah, and uh, you know uh, the next match uh, is, is is good enough segue as any to talk about the next match, which yeah, got well, more reaction out of me than I ever expected it would. Oh my god, yeah! Like they went hard in this. The match was is Aerostar, Arhenis, and Superfly kind of a an assortment of random guys who aren't that important. Yeah, versus the crew, uh, Cisco. They, although they don't call them that yet, but it's the crew. Cisco, mm. Cort- uh, Mr. Cisco, Cortez Castro, and Bale, the the guys who betrayed Big Rick uh, last week. The the uh, the mercenary heels that just like mm. are so easy to hate. Yes, and I think I think you want you want to talk. I want to talk about this as a as I thought is that like they're stop, they're kind of perfect for this show in that. You know, part of the, if you want to call it a problem, I don't think it's a problem, but if you want to call it one, is that the audience is so willing to go along with pretty much anything that is exciting enough means that there's not a lot of heels on this show that don't end up getting cheers eventually. Mm. Like on this episode, on this episode, Mil Muertes and Cage, despite taking on Phoenix and Prince Puma respectively, both get cheers. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a lot. They inevitably the baby faces get more cheers, but the audience is totally willing to like go along with these giant beefy badasses who do cool stuff. Cor- the crew don't do any of that in a show where everybody is wearing cool masks. They're in these like they're in like tank tops and cargo shorts in a show where everybody can do cool flips or do super cool um power moves they do like basic strikes and cheap and cheap shots and you know flipping the crowd off and all sorts of really basic heel stuff they they're kind of the perfect epitome of the of the traditional heel formula of like of this they're like there's a very traditional belief in wrestling that like heels shouldn't do anything that a crowd might cheer that the heels in ring have to be kind of boring i don't really believe that but they are the, uh, but nevertheless, the crew is the epitome of that kind of philosophy. They make themselves boring. In yeah. The it, not oh in a, not, but not in a way that isn't compelling to TV, but in a way that makes you not want to like them in any way. Yeah, no, I, 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 I have this like natural revulsion to them. And I wasn't really able to put my finger on why until you said that right there. Um, because they are so like, so much less aesthetic. They're they're basic. They do they're very basic. Um, these, you know, huggish guys that are there to like beat people up because they want to, and Dario paid the money to do that once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they're they have no motivations that the crowd can really get behind because they have no honorable motivations. They're just there for the money. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing about them. <laughs> That you could latch onto as an like it, as an as like a a fan like as a fan. There's not really anything there likable there to latch onto. They're no. just shitheads that you just that you want to see lose. Exactly. Um, which 
also kind of adds its own stakes, uh, special kind of stakes to their matches because you are so against them winning. Um, just on principle of, mm-hmm. of God, these guys just generally kind of suck. I don't want to, I, I, I find no joy in seeing people lose to them. Like not even like from a storytelling perspective, it's just like, well, shit, you lost to these assholes. What, what are you going to do now? Like, ah, oh, fuck. Ah, oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh God. And, and, and again, that means when, um, when Cortez Castro pinned Aerostar for the one, two, three, it was, I was like, God damn it. Like you could kind of see it coming. Uh, it's, it's, it was almost mm-hmm. an interesting reversal of the Mil Muertes Phoenix fight. Cause it was Aerostar who got a little too big for his britches after just like getting completely dicked on earlier by the, uh, by the, 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 the crew, mm-hmm. but I simply the, the way in which, um, the way in which they present themselves, you, you, it's, it, you feel such an antipathy toward, toward them that like, when you see a match starting to go in their favor, the reaction is kind of like, oh, god damn it, no. Mm-hmm. And I think they told they told a kind of a, uh, it was pretty basic, but it was a fun story of like, they, both teams have different strengths and weaknesses, and they mm-hmm. both play against each, and like, when they're playing to the other person's weakness, they're in the advantage. Basically, the crew, first of all, is an is a unit, and this is this is like their big strength as a team. Is individually, they're kind of blah. Whenever they are, uh, whenever like look at you look at how like Mr. Cisco showed up in Aztec Warfare and like immediately lost, got pinned. When individually they all are not great, they can't really match up individually with our Hennis, Superfly, or Aerostar. But together. As a group, as a functioning group of guys who know how to fight with each other, they can beat Aerostar, Arhenis, and Superfly, who do not, who are not uh, on screen friends and have not worked together as a team. Mm-hmm. The other, so you have that aspect of it, of, of, but there is, of course, the aspect that like Aerostar can, or, or, or Superfly can kick all their asses if he gets an opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another way that you create those opportunities is that. Is that the crew love trying to piss the audience off, and that leaves them open to getting to letting the other letting the team the Mexico City team I think is how they describe them throughout the show, during the show I think it's because they're all from Mexico City I think I figured but like the Mexico City team I'll use it for that for simplicity that allowed them to make a comeback make comebacks is because they were too busy, you know, jaw jacking at the crowd who were, Oh, they were, they were, they were booing them real hard <laughs> in this match. Like, you know, we're talking about like the, the audience willing to go along with anything on this show. No, they were not willing to go along with the crew. <laughs> when no, the crew was in the me. advantage, they were like, they were booing, they were chanting, they were, they were not having these guys and the crew were happy to play along into that both to make the audience hate them more and give the good guys an opportunity to make a comeback. Yeah, no. Um, it, and again, it creates this really cool dynamic um, where everyone is bought in to kind of uh, to kind of how we're meant to view these characters. Um, the the show this show is really smart about um, the way it constructs uh, the or more I think better word the way it manufactures um, how its audience reacts to things. 
because it feels there's something that feels very organic about it. They don't insist on these guys are terrible. These guys are awful and you need to hate them. They don't they don't do that. They don't try to like force the issue a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. They're a lot better about demonstrating that through through action. Um like that, just look at them. You don't want to cheer them, right? I mean, yeah, look and, at and through and through visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, it doesn't hold the audience's hand constantly. Mm-hmm. Um I mean it's again, it's not like it's super subtle deep storytelling it's not like it's it's like you know some 5d chess like like narrative building but i i appreciate the the extra work that goes into we're not just gonna like you know turn to the camera and say say hey hey don't you hate these guys ah don't they kind of suck ah it's 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 more uh it's it's better constructed than that and i i deeply respect that um and again that that then brings it so well into the ring because you're not thinking about you don't have like some voice in the back of your head being like yeah the this the 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 people said you're supposed to hate them no you're just watching and you're like damn these guys suck i hope they lose like just just viscerally without thinking about it it's instinctual absolutely and 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 two the god again the athleticism on display is brilliant because again you talk to you you talked about the way they play to their own strengths um you know the way the crew works as a unit um you know it's very clear how they'll like you know one of them will set something up and the other two will like pop in quickly to 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 complete it um and that's really satisfying to watch even if i even if you know we all hate them um and then and then you have the high flyers just doing their awesome thing but again each in a little bit their own distinct way. Not like it's not like exact photocopies of each other. Um, you know, they each kind of have their own way of selling it and have their own way of 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 moving. You know, ever so slightly differently from each other. Um, I I really got a kick out of it. At one point, Aerostar uh, flew off the top rope with the same uh, the same formation or the same form that that Rey Mysterio does, where he has his arms at his sides, and it felt like a really cool send up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not something that anybody else was like, you know, trying to do throughout the match. It was just kind of like an extra thing to throw in there. Um, so, so the, the, everything about the visual is, um, is, is really, is, is, it just feels fresh constantly. Um, because they, because they play, you know, both the wrestlers themselves and, you know, the writers who, are, who you know, I'm sure set the parameters for stuff like this. Um, they play so well to these kind of tropes and these, um, these, uh, uh, um, templates um, for for different fighting styles um, that it keeps you it, it keeps it from just feeling like yep that guy's punching that guy now oh oh he's punching back okay you know it it it, it keeps it, it keeps it moving and fresh yep and they got a lot of time oh my god that. yeah it was which, so cool to which, see which how, how much it dragged out in a way which is a hundred percent because uh, the main event ran short to play to Cage's strengths and really to Puma's because I'm pretty sure they filmed the Phoenix mat his match with Phoenix and his match with Cage on the same the same show, so that might have also been to Puma's benefit. But, but it worked like it, 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 added, work. it added a special brutalism to it. Like they just kept beating up on on Aerostar, and you're like, damn, leave yeah, the poor guy it, alone it, a little bit. And it was a chance to kind of have a spotlight, you know, in ring on characters that don't really get that very often because they are not 
not top star. Like Lucha Underground does the very basic, and I'm not even saying it's bad, Mm-mm. you know, format of like the main event, the big match gets the most time to develop. And so the other matches have much shorter times. Phoenix and Mil Muertes was relatively short, despite them both being pretty big name characters in their own right, but they weren't the main event. So tonight they're not getting like half an hour. But because they run this show's main event shorter, you get these characters who have not gotten to show off as much mm-hmm. in ring getting to show more of what they can do on a larger, on a longer period of time. Yeah, it shakes up its own formula. And even if it's mm-hmm. born out of necessity, it ends up being a strength of the show um, because it keeps it from feeling like so abjectly formulaic. It's, mm-hmm. it's um, you know, this... And, and it all, and again, it, it even kind of uh, adds more to the gritty legitimacy of the of the underground fight club um, mm. because it doesn't seem like, you know, this is all preordained by writers and we're going to follow this exact formula. Um, you know, right. it, it feels it feels more organic. We're like, OK, if this match between, you know, people who aren't, you know, as on a meta level important to our story, but still, um, you know, still can can pull off some entertaining moves. If it if it runs long, it, it feels like it feels organic. It didn't feel overlong. It didn't feel like actually like, you know, drudgingly dragged out. It felt it felt like, oh dang, they're just taking a while to 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 crack, you know, what one's taking a while to crack the other open. Um that's that's just what's going on here. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. More fighting for me to watch. Absolutely. And so it was a really, it was still, it was overall, it was a really good match. And we did, we did kind of mention it casually earlier, but the crew do win. And this is very much kind of a, you know, established, this is very much that, you know, establish them as characters in the ring, uh, kind of a match after their shocking um, betrayal of uh, Big Rick. This is a chance to get them out there to establish themselves as a, as a threat after, after they've done a huge reestablishment of their character. And and here's and here's something we were talking about like we were talking about like the Chekhov's gun we were making jokes about like you know Chekhov's gun redoing the clown last week, um, but the but like this week they the early on in that match they did a really good job you know the early on early on in the episode they showed again you know them uh, 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 burning out, out big, Rick burning eye. out Big Rick's eye um, but early on in the match they. You know, one of the announcers mentions like, like you know, Big Rick said, you know, if they if they come to his, you know, if, if he encounters them, stay to stay out of the way or whatever. They they drop this casual mention and they don't insist on it. They don't like they don't keep bringing it up. And they, there's nothing that like really pays it off in this match. But it kind of plants the seed in the back of your mind of, oh yeah, these guys are striking out on their own now. But Rick will be back. Rick will be back. Like, like guy may have lost an eye, but that's not like a. Well, I guess I can't fight anymore. Kind yeah. of a thing. He'll 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 be back. It it, and it when feels he does, it, beware. It feels, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. And and it it is kind of like intimidating because for a moment it set me on edge. Like, oh crap, is Rick going to come out during this match? But he didn't. But you know because they're mentioning it, and you know because they're replaying that video, he's going to come back at some point. And this show has proven itself time and time again that it's smart enough to not like show its hand you know way too early it has the self-restraint to let something mm-hmm. drag out until like they find just the right moment to throw it back in and surprise everybody and really deliver something uh a, a spectacular uh spectacle 
um by by um um completing a, a story arc mm-hmm. and so that covers that and then we get um we get the sit down interview with oh uh, god Puma and conan and vampiro which was a whole lot of now I, I i enjoy it i think like it was it was kind of interesting little it was interesting little segment I mean, the, char- the the character beats were basic because what goes on in this mm-hmm. interview is, you know, Vampiro sits down with Puma and Conan, mostly just because, like, Conan has attached himself surgically at the hip to Puma at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, like a leech. Like a total leech. Well, yeah, that, oh, that, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, and, you know, Vampiro's, you know, saying you got this match coming up against Cage, you know, how do you feel about it? You know, people, people say you're kind of like the splash in the pan. Do you think you have staying power? Do you think you can really continue to prove yourself? Or is this kind no. of one thing? You know, really that? basic questions for Puma. Yeah. And every time, and, and, and Puma kind of starts to like open his mouth and raise his arm a little. And, and then, uh, and, 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 uh, 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 uh Conan. Conan. Yeah. I, I got it like right, right at the end there. Uh, Conan kind of goes, you know, he puts his hand on Puma's and then starts talking for him, like, you know, shut up and let me shut shut up, dummy. This is this is my time. Mm-hmm. It, it, it 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 helps to confirm again basic storytelling, very obvious what they're going for, but it it, it still is satisfying because it helps to confirm kind of what they do more subtly hint at earlier, where it which is Conan's this got this complex. He's kind of this ruthless coach character. It kind of feels to an extent like he's very much trying to live his life vicariously through Pumas. And this just very explicitly confirms that fact of Conan's yeah. completely in control of what Puma does. Um, and this is going to have to come to a reckoning at some point. Yeah, and like and like you get him like in this interview, they they bring up the like, you know, two weeks ago, like Brian Cage laid you out, man. And like Conan interjects and blames Puma for it. <laughs> yeah, like, that was the other thing like, too. Where he's like, where he's like Man, you know, if he had been focused, he would he would have seen that coming. <laughs> yeah, and, you, and, and it's oh, it's this very incredulous thought as an audience of like, really, he would have seen the three hundred pound rest guy come at him from behind after his match with Phoenix and yeah, beat I know. him up. He, he would have seen that coming. <laughs> he's it. It almost feels as though like all his hyping up of Puma is like super shallow because it almost because. Half the time he acts like he has this weird like resentment towards Puma's work ethic or something. Um, like it's like nothing is ever good enough for yeah. the guy who's coaching the champ who has yeah. lost one time on the first episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he never like it, it, even when he's even when he's complimenting and glorifying Puma, it feels like it's in this very self-serving way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 it comes to the point where even Vampiro has enough of it. And he's like, you know, man, I'm trying to hear Puma speak, and you just keep talking up over him. And and you know, it devolves into him and Conan kind of puffing their chests. They're like, you want to go, bro? We'll do it anytime. Outside, we've done it plenty of times before. Yeah, like Conan and Vampiro were big wrestling stars in Mexico at the exact same time, so they have fought plenty of times, which was the mid not the mid to late '90s. So they fought plenty of times before. But and all so- this, all this, kind of uh, lends itself to building Conan up is almost this very sinister figure. Um, you know, he's technically on the side of a baby face, but there's something about him that's off that, that, that drive he has is so intense. It's so it, it, it borders on scary. And it, 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 again, it makes you wonder like, 
this is going to come to a head at some point, isn't it? How is that going to manifest? Is it going to be like, you know, he just spirals and drags Puma down with him? That he and Puma break up and like start feuding in some way, and like he gets like some sort of like anti Puma, or like, or or is it going to be like, you know, something happens that he learns his lesson? I don't know, but this is going to come to a head at some point, and you can feel that tension without, again, for the most part, the show with without the show insisting on that tension being there. It's so good at displaying it. Mm-hmm. And so after that, we hit our main event. Uh, Cage versus Puma, Prince Puma for the Lucha Underground Championship. Again, it runs short, which I think works to its benefit of allowing it to kind of feel like this like sprint of a car crash. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Um, And and, and of of course, Conan ringside, you know, naturally. He is there. Um, I feel like if I have any real criticism of this episode is that they ran Phoenix Muertes in the exact same episode as Cage Puma because both of those have have a lot of stylistic similarities. I did notice that, yeah. And And it's like, I don't know know if I would have done that. um, But, I mean, it works well enough uh, for us. I think especially the Aftermath stuff works really well for making that feel different. Um. But yeah, Cage and uh, Puma have a very similar match. It's very much in the same vein of like, Puma's trying everything he can, man. But Brian Cage is a freak. He's a freak, and he's and he's angry, and he's determined. Yep. And, and it's that anger that does him in, because as much as he is throwing everything at Puma, Puma is still, you know, the heart, the heart has the most heart. Of all the wrestlers. And so he's not given up. He's not just losing. And it's and Brian Cage is becoming increasingly frustrated about this. Yeah, no. Um the rage that kind of builds up in his in his eyes and his roided out fucking body is is uh you can you can tell you can tell he's he's like getting more manic and more more furious in how mm-hmm. he goes. Um Again, it does a great job of kind of setting you on setting you on edge. Um, and what was interesting for me too was, you know, they uh, they they did a good job at setting up. Um, uh, you know, Conan talks so much and um, blah 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 blah, uh, and he's sort of in control of Puma. And when as soon as you see him come ringside, you know that's going to come back to bite him in some way during this match. Of you know, he's going to like talk to puma in some way and it'll distract puma or whatever um and it'll let conan get the other uh, upper hand but they don't make that the explicit downfall of puma you know if, if they wanted mm-hmm. to go less subtle with it they could just be like you know um conan distracts him one too many times and cage gets the pin but that's not what ends up happening they point you know it happens at, at certain points and the, and the announcers pointed out and they're like God damn, Conan needs to like chill out a little bit. Like, dude, trust that your man is get it's got this. Yeah, but it still comes to its own uh, unique conclusion. Um, you know, I thought for sure this was gonna end with you know f- death at the hands of uh at the hands of the machine. Um, because because Conan couldn't keep his mouth shut. Um, but they 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 you know they utilize that, but they didn't make that the end all be all of the match, and I appreciate that too. There's mm-hmm. more than one moving piece here. Yeah, the the end all be all is is Cage eventually gets fed up enough that he eventually pushes at the ref and then and the ref is like, hey man, don't do that. That's yeah. The rule. Well, oh, it was really cool too. The reason he pushes against the ref, um, 
uh, again, speaking to the physical innovativeness of this show, um, is, is Puma's climbing up to the top rope and Cage very deliberately pushes the ref into the ropes to knock Puma down. So he's frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, he's taking out his frustration, but he's still doing it in a way that's like super like clever and devious and constructive to the fight and shows just how driven he is. Again, it's not the very obvious, like, Oh, he gets frustrated, so he gets sloppy and loses. No, he gets frustrated, so he takes the de- desperate measures to try to get the upper hand again and kind of succeeds. Right. But then that also has the has the downfall of the ref being like, hey, what the hell, man? Yeah. And then and then and then eventually, and then and then it just leads to, you know, Cage decides to be like, oh fuck it. And then just kicks Prince Puma square in the nuts. Mm-hmm. And that is a disqualification, sir. That's a DQ. Yeah. And so the w- Prince Puma wins, but not because he did anything. Yeah. Um, which is which is interesting because again, you're waiting for like the mighty Puma to fall, but here he still won. But it was cheap and kind of unearned in a way. Like you know, er, you know, he still clearly put up the best fight he could. But right. he was angry. But he didn't. Lou. He didn't beat Cage. Cage yeah. beat himself. So, so again, instead of the show playing its hand early, it starts to kind of let things seep in. The cracks are kind of starting to show. Um, the the fallout is on its way, but it's not quite here yet. We're kind of still building up to that. Yeah. Um, in the meanwhile, uh, Prince Puma is without a title belt now. And if that because, doesn't make sense to you, it's because after the match, Cage is gonna still be mad. And so first, Conan he like Conan gets he tries to beat up Puma some more, and this this makes Conan get into the ring. And I, I respect his willingness to to pick a fight with Cage, but it works as well as you think it does. <laughs> he breaks his cane over over Cage's back, and then and then Cage hits. Conan with a title belt that Conan goes to do some blading. So he's bleeding yep. to end the show. And then Cage just like takes the title belt and rips it in half. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It, they, it's, it's interesting because um, in a way uh, uh, how uh, Lucha sometimes is, uh, is reflective almost of like the attitude era where it loves its kind of like messy endings, but the messy endings manifest in a much different way, wherein it's not just you know um, people punching. don't like pe- people don't Everyone like how the match is starting punching. to turn out. Yeah, so 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 a whole bunch of people like mob the stage and start start fighting. No, so I mean sometimes people mobbing the stage and fighting, um, but for the most part, it's like something that has consequences. Um, it doesn't replace like the satisfying like end to the match. It builds on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so so yeah. Uh, this this adds this this adds to the character of Cage like in his desperation to like to to beat Puma and prove himself the best. Um, he knows he got a cheap loss, so he just takes it out on everybody, and it's so sweet to watch. Especially and- watching watching Conan go down. You're like, oh shit, what's gonna come of this? Mm-hmm. And and like and nothing says quite says this is the strongest dude around than he literally taking a leather ass belt and just ripping it apart. Oh my god! Yeah, no, it was it, making it look effortless too. I don't know if like the belt was rigged or something. I believe it was, and I believe that a lot like a lot of people have commented that like 
like especially when you look at the second belt that the fur that the belt looks really cheap and i was gonna say and i am pretty sure that was a hundred percent because they knew what they wanted to do was pretty quickly write it out of the show because they wanted to have brian cage rip a belt apart so they're like okay we need to make something cheap and easy enough for him to do that because he's still actually a human yeah (laughs) <laughs> even if he claims or even if others claim otherwise yeah um uh, but um so like i believe like i be- like that's kind of like the accepted theory i don't believe i've ever gotten any like official confirmation from the people oh, yeah, on the but... show that that's what that was the idea but like that's been the popular fan theory is that like the first belt is kind of janky but they did that because they knew they wanted brian cage to rip it apart after the that's... visual of it <laughs> but that's another thing where i'm kind of where i'm willing to kind of suspend my disbelief a little extra there and be like yeah you know he ripped the bell apart uh oh man he stores a scary machine um because it's effective enough imagery um yeah, no, it's, it's, it's clear it is, what's happening is, the the belt was absolutely worth the imagery of it being destroyed yeah seriously and and even more on top uh again of, of conan being just yeeted um because he's he was this like loose cannon variable already and now this happened and you you have no idea how a character like him is going to end up responding to -hmm. this um so it it throws another wrench in everything and adds another variable Mm -hmm. another bit of uncertainty that just keeps you like on edge of god what's what's going to happen he's either going to like come back with a crazy vengeance or puma's going to be on his own and can Puma handle himself on his own? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh my poor, God. Poor, I, I'm poor, so invested. Poor Puma in the gym the next day. He's Conan's going to be so on him about this. You let, yeah, well, you okay, let, if you Conan's let, not like me, hospitalized. From the hospital. He's going to be like, you let, you let me get put in the hospital, Puma. <laughs> Twice as many reps. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he sounds like he seems like the type to be like that. Like you know, blame blame his his protege for his own like his own dumb idea. Yep, I think I think that fits him. Yeah, uh, and again, it, it the show the show um with that with that you know more you know uh um organic storytelling that we can sit here and theorize about that. Because we've seen stuff like that happen, and we have such a clear picture of what Conan is as a person that we can see him outside of the confines of the TV show behaving in certain ways that are very clearly consistent with the character they've set up for him. Um, and it then, you know, can affect us to think, God, what is going to happen? What I, I, you know, there's part of me, even though this show was taped years ago and like obviously wasn't really as part of me that's like really worried for, oh, God. Puma at the gym the next day or whenever Conan comes back is going to get it. No, I don't want that to happen. Like, oh, Puma. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh, I, I think overall, a very strong show with a lot of real... Oh, oh, forgot. Almost forgot about the ending. Oh, the ending! The ending. Go back to Dario, where Dario yes. is in his office. You know, as a reminder, the office is stationed literally next to the ring. So he's like watching through the blinds for yep. some re- for some reason he didn't he didn't just open the window <laughs> but so but he's watching through the blinds and then suddenly out of nowhere uh i i'm sure i feel like we referenced her last time but we might have not 
but so the, the hat we have this this Asian woman appearing. She she appeared, I believe, last episode or, or episode ten, where of like just watching. We don't oh, know. Yeah. Any, we don't know anything about her. We don't know her name. That's why I, I wish I know her name because I know what they say her name is, but I'm not going to give it until she says it. Yeah. But she appears and she just appears in Dario's office out of nowhere and confronts him. And and Dario is like scared shitless here. And and that's great too because this is kind of this is the first time at least you know from what I've seen of seeing Dario like where he's not totally in control of things. Um. So that's another fun uh, Mundo, Mundo with Mundo did that to him a few times during the episodes that we skipped, but it's oh, definitely okay. not a. It's definitely not like an every week kind of occurrence. No, but it, but it makes Dario feel more fleshed out. Uh, mm-hmm. Is the important thing there? Uh, yeah, and so, and it's a situation where he doesn't know. He's not in control. He doesn't know everything here. He doesn't know who this woman is. He he doesn't know what she wants. Mm-hmm. He probably can't pay her off. <laughs> I know she. Uh, he, uh he immediately is like is like um he's like i don't know you a debt do i i i i pay off all my debts yeah she she's like she she's he's like what do you want and she's like i'm i'm here because someone owes me and he's like well well it's not me, I pay, me I, I pay all my debts <laughs> <laughs> the look he has on his face when he says that is so great he's like yeah. he, he looks like a little bit relieved he's like oh well, i don't know I know, and then and so and so you know she she's like no I know that the guy I'm looking for is in this temple, and, he, and he's like well uh, I mean any information like who are you, who are you willing and, willing to set out willing to sell out any of his own wrestlers for his yeah, safe for his own safety easy, easy peasy he's he's fine he's, yeah of course what's one wrestler for his own hide and <laughs> so. She doesn't answer as to what her name is. So again, not going to reference it here. But she does say who she's looking for. Uh, Matanza. And Dario's like, nope, nope, don't know who that is. But, you know, feel free to look around anywhere you want. And she's gone as, as quick as she's as she arrived. Yeah. And so we kind of end on a shot of Dario just kind of like watching oh, her shit. go and being like, oh, man. Which... One kind of final note on that to circle around to what I was talking about earlier. I think this is another brilliant stroke of, of stakes building um, because look, Dario's a psychopath who will do anything for his own like sense of sense of like glory and, and fun, whatever else. Um, and, and, you know, he controls the strings and he's willing to do all manner of awful things to the people that like contract for him um, just because he can. Mm-hmm. Um but even in that very unsafe working environment, there's still a little bit of safety in having one man at the top pulling all the strings, and it's all kind of confined to the, to the happenings inside the temple. But now we got someone from the outside coming in, somebody who can scare Dario, somebody who Dario isn't the puppet master of. And so we can... It, it, it there it, it takes away that final little safety blanket of oh there are I, machinations outside of this and they can come in to bite us at any time yep it's not as simple as like it's all going through dario you know dario no. is one man and he's he's pretty apparent it's pretty easy to read dario <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't hide his emotions no so but now now we got other outside in forces come into this place <laughs> Uh, that's so good. 
we're gonna it's it's again i'm so excited to see where we go from here because because the show just keeps building up to more and more and each passing episode a new kind of little uh, little bit of stakes are added mm-hmm. um and yeah no and lucha, you know underground, lucha underground loved their, their this this larger scale story that they end up telling <laughs> It's, and it's all going to come to a head at some point. You know it's all going to come to a head at some point. And it feels the most kind of, like, consummate of all the, like, large arcs we've seen of anything so far. It just seems like some at some point all of this is going to explode at the same time. And who knows what the hell will happen. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So as I was saying before I forgot this part, is really solid show with a lot of really good story beats. Mm. Uh, you know, another great another great week for Lucia Underground. Oh my god, I love this show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So next time, uh, we return to the Attitude Era, Ooh. where we, you know, the last episode was the first episode after the Royal Rumble. Stone Cold is the next challenger for Shawn Michaels. We're gonna skip ahead now to the first episode after WrestleMania. Because at WrestleMania, Stone Cold Steve Austin beat Shawn Michaels for the WWE Championship. Shawn Michaels is now going to go not quite quietly into retirement due to that back injury. Mm. And the Austin era has begun. Oh, damn. Oh, I bet bet you love that one, buddy. All right. (laughs) All righty. David, you got to hit the plugs. Yes, sir. All righty. My friends, my wonderful, wonderful amigos, thank you all so much for joining us for yet another week of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. Uh, If this is your first time uh, listening to us, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Uh, We hope you enjoyed yourself, and we hope you would like to continue enjoying yourself uh, with us week after week. If you would like to do so, and you're currently unsure of how to do that, well, I'm going to tell you. First of all, you may follow us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts Podcast. Give us a good old subscribe. Ring that bell. All that good stuff. Get updated every time we upload a brand new episode of our podcast. Uh, you can also find us on all the best places to find podcasts, uh, which is to say Spotify, Apple, and Google. Follow us. Download us. Uh, give us give us rates and, and reviews. Uh, just, just anything to engage with us and tell us, you know, in some way or other, what you think of the show are we doing good can we do stuff to improve your ratings only your your ratings only tell us we'd really appreciate some good five stars though Ooh, get the get the word out there we're, we're we're pretty great gotta say uh uh you can also you can also uh find us on some socials uh we are on twitter at noobs and Knox pod that's noobs letter n Knox pod uh you know uh we we uh, austin's taken to taken to tweeting uh live tweeting his uh yeah. his weekly wrestling watching and it's always yes. very entertaining he's hitting some good memes it's a lot of fun yes i think i'll take over the plug here for a minute to talk about that is that yeah. i is that starting uh this past week um after a very successful tweet about uh from from aew about aew two weeks ago uh this week now i am tw- live tweeting wrestling what wrestling am i watching am i live tweeting and where can you watch along with me good question hypothetical person is on 
Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We are going to be watching Impact Wrestling. It is live on Axis TV. But if you don't know where that is, because nobody does, you can <laughs> watch them live for free on Impact Wrestling's Twitch.tv channel. It is awesome. And then on Wednesday nights, we are going to be watching AEW Dynamite live on TNT, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You know, we've covered one of the episodes on this podcast, but it's my favorite weekly wrestling show. So we're going to be live tweeting that. Yeah, I had a heck of a lot of fun this past week. This is my first week doing the live stuff. Hmm. Um, it was a lot of fun and would love for you to join along with me. Um, as for other wrestling stuff, I will be willing to do, I do not watch uh, WWE consistently enough anymore for me to really want to do that. And I love Japanese wrestling, but I don't watch it live because I live in America. There's <laughs> time zones. So I don't watch that live, so I'm not going to live tweet that. But uh, WWE does do monthly pay-per-view shows. I will probably live tweet those. Uh, the next one of those up is the next Sunday, March 21st, is WWE Fastlane, their last pay-per-view uh, before WrestleMania. I will definitely be live tweet. I will live tweet that. And yeah, you so join us at uh, the Noobs and Knockouts official Twitter. Woo! To follow me Watch along. along. Watch along. Watch along. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we also we also have an email address. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us that way, uh, you can contact us at uh, uh, Noobs and Knockouts Pod dot com that is with the 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 word and this time rather than the letter n um uh you know let us know what you think of the show uh uh, uh give us feedback give us requests anything of that sort we love we love